Yo, yo. What up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, Jacob Sokol, and I am stoked that you are kicking it with us today. If you're new to the podcast, this is a place where we look at how it is that the traditional roadmap for success just isn't working anymore. And what are the unique challenges of today, 2016 and beyond, and also the unique opportunities that we have that lie ahead of us. We look at what type of skills make sense to build and alternative perspectives for navigating life and creating the most fulfilling, the most inspiring, and the most meaningful life that your soul is craving. So with all that goodness said, today's podcast is about the voices in your head. And no, 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 this is not for the schizophrenic. This is for you. This is for me. This is for all of us because we've all got these different voices in our head. And today I'm going to invite you to to identify which of these seven voices is running most loudly, most controllingly in your head. You ready for this goodness? Let us jump into it. So before we get to the seven voices, there's two other things that I'd like to point out. One is that we think we are that voice in our head, but we're really not. And this really is the one of the fundamental pillars of Eastern philosophy. Many of the great Eastern philosophies teach us and they show us that there is a voice in our head, but we are not that voice. In other words, we are not our thoughts. We have thoughts. Thoughts, thoughts pass through our head like the weather passes through the days or the location that we're in, but the suffering that Buddhism and and some of the other Eastern philosophies teach us is that the suffering is when we attach ourselves to those thoughts, when we give power or meaning to what our thoughts are saying. So for me, this used to be a huge deal because I thought if I had a crazy thought, that meant I was a crazy person. Or if I had a sadistic thought, that meant I was a sadistic person. Or even earlier today, I kind of wanted to throw my cat up against the wall because he wouldn't shut up as I was attempting to do some work. And you know, how could I possibly want to do that? Because here's this little dude who I love more than anything else And what would that mean about me that I'd want to hurt the thing that I love most, right? Well, if I were to really dwell on that and say, oh my God, what's wrong with me for having that thought? Who am I? That means I'm a bad person, et cetera, et cetera. It would just be detrimental for everybody. It wouldn't help me. It wouldn't help him. And the reality is, is that while we have thoughts, we are not our thoughts. Now, when we look at 2016, when we look at today's day and age, We spend so much time living our lives from our neck up, from our neck up. And what I mean by that is we're constantly in our head. We're on our computers, typing away. We're on our phones, swiping away. And we get so in our head. It's not like the good old days where, you know, good old days like they were any better. Let me clarify. Today is probably one of the best times to be alive ever and and also you know, it's not like back in the day when you had a job where you did physical labor, where you were outside, where you were really exerting yourself physically in some way. And so one of our major challenges is that we spend so much time in our head and we start to make life choices based strictly on our head. 
Now, you might be saying, well, Jacob, that sounds like a good idea. I want to be smart. I want to be reasonable. I want to make sure I have a responsible life where I don't end up homeless on the street and die. And while I get all of that, there's a catch here. And the catch is that I explain this when I talk to um, my coaching clients sometimes. Really, the name of the game here is recognizing that you are not your head and we spend so much time in our head that we forget about our heart, okay? And when we talk about creating the most meaningful and fulfilling life that you can have, that's going to come from your heart. Now, here's the thing. Some people spend so much time in their head living life according to the rules, a.k.a. Actually, there is no AKA, uh, but just the rules. I meant to do uh, air quotes when I said the rules. They spend so much time living there that they get burnt out and they're like, oh my God, I can't live this life anymore. And they go totally to the other end of the spectrum, which is living only in their heart. And they're like, I'm going to follow my bliss and go to Thailand and live on the beach and, you know, eat a bunch of, you know, sensual, delicious food and whatever it is, right? And And it's almost like this bumper sticker happiness, this like... If you believe it, you can achieve it. Or like, if you set your mind to it, anything is possible. It's like, there's this like over, uh, over generalized idea of what it means to like follow your heart or like live a life of passion and inspiration. Oh, here's the thing. We want to have a range of the spectrum. In other words, we want to be able to both use our head and our heart simultaneously. And most people get so caught up using their head that they never actually allow themselves to use their heart. Scary too, right? Like what if I find out like, holy shit, I, I'm not meant to be a lawyer or like I'm not meant to be running the current business I'm running or in the job that I'm in or whatever that might be. So here's how I explain it. Your head is your your mind, your brain is an organ, just like your finger is a part of your body or your kidney is an organ. You have different parts of your body and your and your brain is one of them. And that's a good thing. It's a good part of your body. But the major, major suffering arises when we start to just identify ourselves with our head. And really what we want to do is we want to use our head, but we want to use our head in service to our whole the same way that the the job of your kidney is to serve all of you, right? Or your liver, it's not there so that, that your liver can be the, the best, most dominating part of your body. No, your liver is there to make sure that the whole of you is healthy and thriving. And that's the job of the head too. It's not to run off and kind of lead the charge and take dominant control of your life. The job of your head is to serve the whole of you, but it means that you need to connect. We need to connect to the whole of us. We need to connect to our whole self. And that can be scary because what what happens if there's emotion there? What happens if there's uncertainty about what we need to do in order to live in our heart? Or what if there's all these rules or these voices that are in there, and we'll get to those in a minute, that tell us that that's a bad thing. Uh, what what we find is actually going on on the inside. So the, the name of the game here is we want to follow our heart, but use our head in service to our heart. So it's not about one or the other. It's really about follow your heart, but bring your head. 
And that's a major distinction. If, if you put the head first and you're constantly trying to make sure that the rent is covered and you're constantly trying to do the responsible thing and then work the heart in around that, right? That is a, is a recipe for constantly feeling unfulfilled, possibly on the verge of burnout, and just living a life where you know it's not the life that feels like it's the one you're meant to be living. Have you ever had that feeling, maybe even just for a split second of like, wow, this is the life I'm meant to be living? Well, if not, it's probably because you haven't really gone out on that heartfelt path. And if you have had that feeling, well, it's probably because you were following your heart and again, using your head in service to it. So we want to recognize that there's a deeper source of wisdom and we'll get a, we'll get a little bit more into this later on in today's episode. But this is the first idea that I wanted to share, that we are not our, our thoughts, okay? And, and believe me, like, I'm some dude from, like, you know, New York City. I didn't come up with this idea. This is an idea from thousands and thousands of years ago, and it's the bedrock of so many of the greatest uh, philosophies out there. Here's the second point before we jump into the seven voices in your head. Most of us think that the voice in our head is ours, So it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not the voice in my head, but it's still my voice that I'm hearing, right? I mean, who who else's voice would it be? Well, that's what we're going to get into today because the voice in our head usually isn't ours. It usually comes from a number of different sources and particularly from the environment that we're in. If I spend time with people who are gossiping, who are criticizing, who are complaining all the time, it's going to affect the thoughts in my head. Right? Can you agree? You agree with me on that one? That if you're constantly in that space, right, that people are the people around you are going to start to influence the voice in your head, right? Um, and now that I actually say this, you know, the food that we eat influences the voice in our head because it influences our mood, our state, meaning how we feel, influences our thoughts. And one of the quickest ways to change your psychology is to change your physiology. In other words, if you want to change what you're thinking, change how you're feeling. And here's the catch. Most people are like, well, I don't feel like changing how I feel. I feel like crap, right? It's like, I don't want to, like, how do I change how I feel? I'm like, well, go work out. They're like, I don't feel like working out. I know you don't, but feelings follow action. So take the action and the feeling will follow. Go have the heartfelt conversation with the person that you love and you'll feel better about your relationship with them afterwards assuming that nobody dies and you can remain in a non-blaming state um, and it's the same thing with exercise people are like i don't feel like working out right i don't, I don't feel good i don't want to work out well what happens you go force yourself to work out and you feel good afterwards as a result so voice so the second idea here is just that the voice in our head is not ours, right? It, it comes from so many different factors from how we're feeling to the environment that we're in. And now I want to take you to really the third point, And it's kind of the, the main idea behind today's podcast. <laughs> Let me just stop and say that. I find it funny that I'm talking into a microphone here. I, I don't know for what reason I'm finding this this quite comical, but here I am talking into some piece of plastic and foam and uh, fuzz 
and uh, you are wherever the hell you are listening to this podcast in your ears, in your car, on your when you're running at work, wherever you are. And holy shit, I just got some gratitude for the fact that somehow, somewhere, someone is listening to this. That is amazing. And the fact that hopefully it's touching your heart or hopefully there's an insight that you gained from this that five years from now you can tell me, Jacob, I heard that insight and I put it into use and I hung it up on my wall and I told my friends about it and I really dedicated my life to applying that insight and as a result, I feel more fulfilled, I feel more free. That's why I do what I do. I mean, that at this point, I've been doing Sensify for like six years and it's so cool. I got to say, it's so cool to hear people from six years ago who are following my work, keeping in touch and saying, you know, staying on this journey with me and, and seeing their life evolve over that time. So I just went on a crazy ass tangent, just had this moment of gratitude and awareness for the fact that you're listening to my voice right now. The 23-year-old version of myself would be so self-conscious and uh, it's just quite fun to see what happens when we dedicate ourselves to a life of of growth and fulfillment. I'm going to take a sip of my drink here. not going to pause the podcast, but I'm going to take a sip of my drink and we're going to jump into these seven voices. Mm-hmm. All right. So if indeed you are not the voice in your head, well, who whose voice is running your life? Whose voice is in your head? And what is the voice telling you that's keeping you having the results that you're having or the experience that you're having? Well, voice number one comes from Mom Dukes. Yeah, that's right. It's your mama. And your mom's voice might sound like what she said to you it means in order to be a good boy or a good girl. So who did you need to be to be a good boy or a good girl? Who were you, what were you allowed to do? Who were you allowed to be? Well, you know, it, what happens is we hear our mom's voice as a child and then we take it and we internalize it, meaning that it becomes the voice in our head. And even when your mom is not around, your mom is still around because she's in your head. She's telling you what to do, what not to do, what's good, what's bad. And that brings us to voice number two. It's the kind of other counterpart here. It's your voice of your pops, your dad. And it's the same thing. Here's a question that can really get to the core of, what's going on in your life, and if you feel stuck in any area, why you're stuck, okay? Ask yourself this question. Whose love did I, well, hold on a second. Let me slow down. We're not in a coaching session, so let me ask you the version of the question that would be applicable for the podcast. Who... (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here we go. Who did you need to be in order to get your dad's love? As a child, who did you need to be in order to get your dad's love? And the answer to that question oftentimes shows us the rules that we've created that end up running our life. So, for instance, many women I know... Uh, have a voice in their head that they need to achieve. They need to go get results to make daddy proud. 
And what they learned is that in order to get love, they need to produce, they need to accomplish, they need to get shit done. They need to be better than other people. They need to excel. And what happens is that in life, they end up beating themselves up because there's this rule, if it's not perfect, then you shouldn't do it at all. Or if you're not the best, then you shouldn't do it. And it keeps them trapped from trying new things. Or maybe there's a a rule that says, don't be vulnerable. And let me ask you a question. Love, right? The thing that we all crave probably more than anything or just as much as anything, deep love in our hearts, is that secure or is that vulnerable? Being in love, is that secure or is it vulnerable? Well, it's vulnerable, right? It's vulnerable as shit. You're going to open your heart. You're going to, you know, share your deepest truth and your most insecure uh, moments with somebody else and really like open yourself up to the depths of your motherfucking core, right? That's vulnerable. And so if you've got a rule from dad or the voice of dad in the back of your head saying, you know, good girls aren't vulnerable and it, it might not sound exactly like that, but it's like, you know, there's some some rule in there, some voice running your life, then holy shit, no wonder you're not in the relationship you want to be in. No wonder you're not doing more fulfilling work because it involves risk and you're not going to get it perfect right away. And if there's a voice that you need to be perfect, well, then you know what? You are going to stay where you are. Uh, <laughs> some, somehow I felt like I sounded like Martha Stewart. In, in that last sentence, except here's the thing. I don't even know what Martha Stewart sounds like. I've just been watching Orange is the New Black with my girlfriend, and there's a, a, a character on the show who's supposed to be Martha Stewart, and that's why I really felt like I sounded like Judy King, I think is her name. Okay, back from the tangent. Martha Stewart's voice is not in my head. Back from the tangent. Here we go. So so that's that's voice number two is it's often dad and it's and it's really like a seven year old version of ourself, right? Like little Jacob who is trying to keep me safe. He's trying to keep me alive. And so he learned these rules, he learned these voices from his parents as a young child. And if I don't really create a relationship with that younger version of myself and realize w- what's going on there and why is he there and and recognize that he's trying to keep me safe, that he, I'm going to stay stuck where I am and I'm going to think it's me. You know, people talk about sabotaging themselves. There's no such thing as self-sabotage. There's just a scared five-year-old version of you inside that's trying to run your life right now, Right? It's a five-year-old version of you trying to run your life. That's that's what sabotage is. And so what we want to do is we want to start to hear that voice. We want to recognize, oh, this, this version of me is just trying to keep me alive. And, it, and alive equals in the familiar, right? Outside of the comfort zone can feel like death. And, uh, and so we work really hard unconsciously to keep ourselves where we are. And that means you know, oftentimes not being more successful, not being more fulfilled, etc. Let me not turn this too deep into one of my coaching sessions right now. Let's go to voice number three. Voice number three is the voice of your gender, the voice of what it means to be a man or a woman. And oh, brother, did I have this one big time. I remember I was about 12 years old and I was in Washington Heights, New York City, visiting my dad, laying on his bed, watching TV. And I was in a fetal position, just 
chilling, relaxing, feeling comfortable. And suddenly the thought, the voice went through my head. The voice of masculinity went through my head. And guess what it told me? You're not in a manly enough position, right? The way you're laying is kind of womanly or as an insecure boy who was listening to the homophobia of our culture, you're laying in a, in a gay position. What are you, gay? And so what did I do? I instantly straightened myself out, no pun intended there, but put my legs out on the bed and you know assumed a more masculine, dominant position. And that's, uh, and that's what happened. And that just wasn't when I was 12. I mean, this was, I remember this for... I mean, it's, it probably still happens at times, but I remember this being such a strong thread for me of my unconscious mind in my teens and even in my 20s, constantly needing to prove my masculinity, needing to prove my my um, heteronormativity, needing to prove that I was a real man. Oh my God, don't get me started on what it means to be a real man. People say, what does it mean to be a real man? When I ask you that, what do you think? Right? When I ask you, what does it mean to be a real man? What are some of the things that come to your mind? A real man is strong, smart, can be a leader, um, takes control when, when, uh, when situations need it, right? So what are we saying about women if that's what it means to be a real man? That women are the opposite. (laughs) They're not strong, right? They are not leaders. They should be followers. And, uh, and all the other things, right? This real man bullshit is responsible for why 75% of suicides come from men, right? For every four suicides, three of them are, are men, are a man. And that's because of the social norm that we have about what it means to be a man and the deep shame that us men feel about not feeling man enough. We would rather blow our fucking brains out than feel the shame that our culture puts on us for not being man enough, So I got a little passionate there. You know, that topic hits close to home for me because I felt so much shame around not being man enough. And I'm a pretty manly dude generally. And I mean, it's just crap. It's just fucking crap. So women also experience this. It's a little bit different. It's actually very different, uh, the gender norms of what it means to be a woman. Um, I'll share one. Uh, It's been a while since I've kind of spoken about this, so there's some of the ideas are a little bit further back in my brain. But one of the things that women face is that there's this societal pressure to appear um, beautiful and uh, make it look kind of effortless. It's like effortless perfection is the term. Go be beautiful, but you're not supposed to like, you're not supposed to let us see that you're working hard to look that way. Right, and there's also this identity crisis of the modern woman, which is here's the, there's the identity crisis of the modern man and the modern woman. Here's here's the modern woman. Modern woman is feminism worked so hard to help make women have more of the same rights that men do, and that's really good. You know, they made a lot of progress. Sure, things are not completely equal. But, you know, in the last 50 years, holy shit, has it gotten better to be a woman. And there's this unspoken pressure that women feel to really utilize um, and really achieve, to utilize the progression of feminism, to utilize the, uh, the advancements 
that you have socially now. And so women feel pressure to go out there and make money and, and get a good job. And, and they want these things oftentimes. This is great, you know. But on the other hand, there's still another pressure there, which is the, the maternal pressure, the pressure to be a mother. And, oh, if you're not a mother, what's wrong with you, right? There's a little bit of that in our culture. What? You're going to choose not to have kids? You're going to choose to put your work first? And so there's this... That's the identity crisis. It's like, yo, society, who the fuck do you want me to be? Do you want me to go out there and achieve and like conquer and do great shit and like, you know, spread positive ripples of blah, blah, blah through the world? Or do you want me to be a mom and take care of the two or three kids and et cetera? And society is saying, I want you to do both and I want you to make it look easy, right? And that's just crazy. It's crazy. The, I believe the identity crisis of the modern man is a little bit different. It's, what is my role in society? Since we no longer are the people who need to be the breadwinners or the providers for our family, right? It's like our identity got stripped out from underneath us. It's like, well, if I'm not the guy who is celebrated, you got to think about this. 40, 50, 60 years ago, if you were a dude and you went to work and you just had a regular job, any kind of job, teacher, you worked at a factory, you were the mailman, like whatever it was, and you came home, you were a god because you provided for the family. You you had a good wage. You know, just the basic job that you had meant that you were doing great. Today, you got to go live this extraordinary life. You got to, you know, live your passion. You got to like even a regular wage today, you know, in New York, I'm laughing where I live. It's like, holy shit, he's going to get you nothing over here. And so the the big challenge, the big identity crisis of the the modern man is who am I, and what do, what do I what am I what am I here for, right? If if women don't need me to, in order to provide for them, then what is my role? And guys, let me just give you a little bit of a hint there. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and for those who aren't psychological geeks, I'll explain. Maslow had an idea that um, we have. We all have basic needs, right? We have a, a pyramid of needs, and at the very bottom of the our needs is are just the, the need for, um, I, I believe it's like safety and uh, survival needs, right? I think it's survival actually is the basic need, and so just the fact that you know you're going to be able to get food, that the roof isn't going to fall from on top of your head when you're sleeping, just our most basic need is is survival, right? Um, and then there's safety, right? And just making sure like, okay, on top of survival, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. Like I'm not going to get attacked in the middle of the night, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go up and there's certain needs for a sense of belonging, a sense of feeling like you're in a community or you feel like you have a sense of belonging. And then you go up and there's, uh, needs of, of, um, your esteem, right? The need for love, the need for et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then you go up even further on the triangle of needs and he says, you know, you have this need to basically self-actualize, which means to be all that you can be, to reach your full potential. And so if you look at our relationship to this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as men, we used to be responsible for providing the very bottom of that triangle, safety and survival. That was our role. That's how we showed up and how we felt good about ourselves. And now, what I believe is, instead of that, 
it's that's not necessarily the case anymore. But when we go a little bit higher up on that triangle, what we can do is to provide a sense of experience for women, right? Experience to take them and show them things they haven't seen before to to here's another one is to to help them surrender into their body, to really drop into their senses, to emotionally create a sense of safety that is so deep that they can relax. They can, ah, right. They can melt away because they're out there just like us working kind of in the workforce. And for the women who are listening to this, you know, I think many of you are nodding your head. You can relate, right. You're out there, you're working and there's oftentimes not the sacred space for you to just be like, ah, I can just fucking exhale and really trust the man that I'm with because he's a solid guy. He, I feel safe when I'm with him. I, I get that he's got his shit together and, um, and I'm going to let him kind of lead here when we are in our romantic setting. Okay, I went way off on a tangent. Let me bring it back to voice number four. So voice number three was the voice of, of gender. Voice number four numero cuatro, as they say in many parts of the world, um, voice number four is the voice of success, right? Success. What does it mean to be successful? And we all know this voice really well. Back in the day, the American dream was, you know, you just go to school and then maybe you go to college and then you get a good job and that's success. You put money in your 401k and One of the things that I'm most passionate about is illuminating the reality that the traditional roadmap for success doesn't work anymore. Yet so many of us are still being told the story that it is. And because we're good people, we want to listen to the story. We want to follow the rules and be a good person. And the rules are fucking broken. The roadmap doesn't work anymore. And that's both terrifying and liberating. It's terrifying because it means that there's uncertainty and we need to be the ones to create the new roadmap. But it's liberating because tell me you don't want more freedom. Oh, I know you do. Come on now. Right? We want freedom. And you have permission. You have my permission to break the rules. There are no rules. You get to choose them. So, um, So that's the voice of success. We've all heard about climbing the corporate ladder only to realize that the ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. And the higher you get on that ladder, the harder it is to get down and move the ladder in the direction that actually matters to you. So, I mean, this is the work that I do with with many of my clients who are already successful, people who are earning a lot of money, people who the world views as, wow, they're successful. I help them use that success, use the skills that they've built in service to their heart, in service to something more meaningful and more deep. And that's that's the voice of a success, voice number four. Who do you need to be in order to be a success? I had one client who was a, um, a traitor, uh, not a traitor like a, uh, like a pirate or like a bad person, like a spy, but a, like a, a finance trader. I've had a few clients who are finance traders. I mean, really making multiple six figures in their business and like just living under these rules that money is going to make me safe or that like I can't walk away from all this money because I'm making more money than one person, like I'm, I'm making more money than 99% of the world. And yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to hear how how strong that voice is, even amongst the smartest people that I know. 
So that's voice number four. Voice number five, voice number five is the voice of pop culture, MTV, TMZ, OPP, whoever the hell it is. No, voice number five is the voice of, you know, is my V-neck t-shirt cool enough? Are my Nikes in enough? It's the voice of like what it means to be trendy and hip and cool. And, you know, I, I still feel it. I'm like, shit, am I wearing things that are cool enough? Do I need to buy new shorts? Like are jean shorts out of style? Are they back in style? Are my pants supposed to be ripped, right? And like for the most part, I don't care about fashion. For the most part, this does not uh, affect me very much at all. But still, I feel it creeping in, you know, the voice is still kind of there. And for my girlfriend, oh, God, like I feel, you know, empathy for her because I know that she cares more than I do. And it's just a lot to keep up with. So really recognizing, you know, am I doing something because I actually want to do it or because I'm supposed to do it? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes towards the end of this episode But voice number five is the voice of pop culture. What does it mean to be cool? Are you trendy enough? Are you in with the latest fads and the latest style? And it's even interesting to watch like entrepreneurship is like part of pop culture now. So it's like even part of being cool is like go start a business, right? Or like go like really uh, travel the world and, and run a location independent business. And the reality is, is that running a business is not the right thing for many people. It could be, but if you're the type of person who really loves certainty and is not a fan of risk and is not is not going to do well with with um, high, you know, having a lot of income and then less income and then you know big swings in the amount of money that you bring in from time to time, having a lot of weight on your shoulders, like that's entrepreneurship, you know, and it's fun and exciting, and it's also there's many skills that are required and many also talents that I think, you know, we, we, we cultivate within ourselves over our lifetime. And so to look at just where you are and and recognize that there is just this trend going on right now of like, you know, be a business owner, be an entrepreneur. And I predict that in five years, 10 years, 15 years, however long it's going to be, that the trend is no longer going to be entrepreneurship. It's going to be a stable job, right? A stable motherfucking job, right? Like that's trendy. Like, like here's the fad. Like I've got a weekly paycheck or like a biweekly paycheck that comes in. Oh my God, I'm living good, right? Because uh, we don't know what what's going to happen in the market. And, you know, I'm not an expert in angel investing and, and um, what's happening in, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley with, with all the tech culture startups. But I know that a lot of money is getting thrown around and a lot of people are thinking that, you know, oh, I'll just start a business because I did really well in school and, and that's going to that's gonna lead to massive success. And oof, I've just watched a lot of people um, really enjoy the realities of starting a business because there's so much freedom and impact, but also come to terms with the reality of it, which is like, you got to be in it for the long haul. You got to be in it for the the 10-year vision of I'm willing to do whatever it takes to really devote myself and say no to other things, including more money temporarily, um, to do what I love. So boom, let's keep it moving. Voice number six is the voice of your lineage, right? The voice of, of your family's lineage. And what does it mean to be a person who is white or black or Jewish or Muslim or anybody in between? We often carry around this voice of, oh, 
my people do things this way. And maybe this voice isn't so strong, but for some people it is. And it's the voice of like, oh, as a, as a Jewish person, you know, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do, right? Um, <laughs> am I allowed to really listen to hip hop and like really make that part of my identity? Well, Drake is part Jewish and I think so is, uh, there's a lot of Jewish rappers out there strangely now, which is great. Um, but really recognizing that there's a little bit of that voice also, the voice of your lineage, of where you come from, and, and what it means to be a part of your family. Okay, it's going to bring us to voice number seven. Here we go. Let's drum roll it. I'll do a little banging on the desk for us. Okay, voice number seven is the voice of religion and or spirituality. And those things are different, but I'm, I'm grouping them together here. Oftentimes, if someone considers themselves to be spiritual, there's this voice that says, you can't be spiritual and rich, right? That means you're greedy. Or you can't be spiritual and curse, motherfucker, right? Like, I'm breaking that rule right now. Or you can't be spiritual and sexual. Shout out to my tantric yogis. Um, but there's there's this there's this notion that like if you're spiritual it means that oh you're supposed to be a certain way and the same thing with religious right like oh if you're religious you can't be promiscuous or you can't do certain things and it's all bullshit right this is these are just the voices that live in our head that when we listen to because we're unconscious about them or because we're afraid to venture away from them we end up living a life that isn't as fulfilled as as it could be so there you go. Um, now here, let me, let me break the news to you. There are more than seven voices in your head, but these are the main seven that I've found come up for me, come up for my clients and just come up for, for people who I observe going through their life. So yes, there's more and sure. Maybe, um, you can think of a few more. Um, and there's actually two more voices that I want to share with you that could actually be really helpful for you. Any guesses? Well, here it is. The voice of your intuition, which is the voice of your gut, right? What is that deeper wisdom within you that maybe the head can't identify with certainty, doesn't see the very clear, direct path in which it's all going to pan out, but just this deeper level feeling. Like if you're ever around someone and you just kind of get a feeling like, this person's kind of a liar. I don't know why. I just I just get that feeling that this person is a liar. Or as a woman, you you know, being around a guy and, and just getting a sense like I don't feel safe around this guy. Right? Something about this guy feels off. And I mean, I don't even want to go into the darkness here, but how many unfortunate situations have happened in life because we try to rationalize and discount our intuition. In other words, our gut, our intuition tells us, oh man, let's do this thing. But then the voice in our head comes in and says, no, 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 you should, you know, it, it's okay. You know, and we make an excuse for why we shouldn't listen to our gut. I was talking to a client of mine who was a part of a group program I was running. I guess I spoke to him about two, two weeks ago, I think. And, you know, his gut is telling him, his intuition is telling him, he wants to take some time just to explore. He's got a really good job right now, but he knows that it's not fulfilling. And he's really hearing the voice number, what was it, four, voice of success telling him, can't leave it. And his gut is just saying, I just want to leave this job and I just want to go travel for a little while. He's got, got the money to do it. He's got the health to do it. He doesn't have the responsibilities of uh, family or mortgage right now. 
and his gut is saying that, but his the the voice number four, right? He's rationalizing that. Um, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, I can't walk away from this money. I just got a promotion. Blah 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 blah. And we all do this in different ways. We all hear our gut wisdom from time to time, and then we make an excuse for not following it because it's scary or it doesn't make sense on a logical logical place. So one one you know tip there is just to create a meditation practice and what that does is that starts to drop you out of your head and into your body i spoke about earlier how one of the main problems of our generation is that we're living from the head up or from the neck up rather stuck in our head and what meditation allows us to do i've been doing it for the last six years nearly every day meditation allows us to do is really to slow down and to hear what's going on on a deeper level and to calm our nervous system down so that we feel safe enough on a on a cellular level on a physiological level we feel safe enough to to actually just be in a calm state and hear a deeper sense of of wisdom than that constant fight or flight running through our brains all the time so that's that's one voice I'd highly encourage you to listen to. Another way is just an exercise practice. Basically, in short, anything that gets you out of your head and into your body, right? If you here here's one of the, you know, you want to you want a short piece of wisdom that can change your life every single day forever, like one of the most powerful pieces of wisdom you'll ever hear anywhere. If you if you really take this to heart right now, Okay, I'm talking about like top five pieces of wisdom that I know and like I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to seeking wisdom. Well, then send me a check for $5,000 and I'll tell you. No, I'm joking. I'll tell you right now. But that was quite a build up, right? Like I really built up this piece of wisdom that I'm about to drop on you. Um, here's, here it is. It's going to sound uh, so simple right? That it's going to be like, no, can that actually be true? And then that's usually the deal with with some of the best wisdom. Here it is. If you want to change your psychology, change your physiology. What I mean by that is if you want to change your brain, move your body. If you want to change the thoughts that you're having, get into movement, go exercise, go dance, laugh, sing, do whatever the hell you do, yoga, um, whatever it is that gets you, at, you know, into your body. If you want to change your brain, change your body. And I mean, I do this all the time. I, I'm at work and I'm, I'm working and I feel stuck with something or, or somebody, a client of mine emails me and I'm, you know, I'm a coach, right? So I'm, I'm constantly wanting to and aiming to come from my highest level of wisdom that I have. It's a little bit different than in my IT days when I was in IT tech. Someone emailed me. I got into problem solving mode and, you know, I could kind of caffeinate my way through it. When, when I'm a coach, it's really my responsibility to make sure that I'm showing up from a, a higher place of consciousness every day. And so how I do that is if I ever find myself starting to, to creep a little bit lower to not feel as well is I go exercise and I, and then that's it. I start exercising. I go for a run and the idea comes to me or I feel better. Um, or I take a nap even, even a nap is like the human reset, right? It's just like a computer. You reset a computer and it starts running faster, right? Well, the same thing when, when I go reset myself with a nap, right? <laughs> I start running fast. I start running faster. That's great. 
Um, so, so you can really listen to the voice of your intuition and of your gut and then use your head in service to that wisdom. And the other thing is to listen to the wisdom of your heart. Right? And you can actually, if you want to be a little woo-woo with me for a moment, although it's not that woo-woo, put your hand on your heart right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Can you feel it beat? Can you feel the heat from your hand starting to be on your body, right, on your chest? So your heart is there and your heart has wisdom in it. The same way that your brain has wisdom, um, even modern science is showing us that our brain, our heart also has uh, neurons that can contain wisdom inside of the heart and intelligence in there. And so does our gut, right? These are all science. It's really cool. It's catching up with this like age old philosophy and it's showing us that there's this deeper wisdom there. So the wisdom of your heart, that is what I encourage you to do to slow down, tap into the wisdom of your heart. If you'd like some help with that, you can feel free to email me. I do make myself quite accessible. Uh, emails that are short and sweet are hard to beat. That's right. You'll get the quickest response from me if it's a shorter email. Um, I'm kind of scared of long emails. They stay in my inbox for sometimes weeks until uh, until you get a reply just because it, you know it requires a certain level of, of my energy that... I am not willing to give to uh, to anyone um, off the bat. So, but you can email me Jacob at sensify.com, J A C O B at S E N S O P H Y dot com. Love making myself accessible. I'd love to help you. And um, yeah, and we've got a ton of people in our community who are all on this journey together. And I'd be happy to. Uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to play. Right on. Well, today's episode was a little bit of a freestyle. Here I am just recording it and seeing where we went with it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'd love to hear if you've had, you had any favorite insights. You can tweet me on Twitter at Jacob Sokol. You can email me. You can uh, spray paint the wall outside of my house with whatever your favorite insight was. I'm not going to tell you where I live, but good luck finding that. Um, although I will say, if anyone's watched that show... What's the show? Uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's Tina Fey's latest show. She lives like two blocks from me, like in like in the show, right? Her house is like two blocks from where I live. So there's your little clue. And I, I promise you, I, I really cut TV out of my life for about five years and uh, until my girlfriend, man, she's quite persistent at, uh, you know, getting me into shows here and there. So there it is. The truth is revealed. I sometimes watch TV occasionally now. You've heard it first. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for rocking with us. My heart, my soul goes out to you. The fact that you've listened to me blabber on here for uh, however long it's been, almost 50 minutes is amazing. Much love to you. And I am stoked for the future. Thanks for playing with us. We'll talk soon. Peace out.